Hello, everyone. My name is Caleb. And I'm Ben. And you are listening to Tribal Talk, a survivor podcast. This week, we saw the Kool-Aid Man and David reunite. We saw the mature players and who they were. We saw the stress of the game. And most importantly, we saw the Kama tribe go from splintered to completely broken. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great episode, and that's probably because it was like 40% tribal council. It was pretty yeah. great. Yeah. My okay. question to you, and actually I'm going to answer it first, but my question is, is War Dog aptly or ironically named. So I think that Wardog is super well positioned strategically, but for whatever reason, physically, he's gotten worse and worse and worse, especially post-merge. So here's my hot take. I have no way of proving it, but here's my theory. I think Wardog is throwing the challenges because he saw Joe go home, he saw Eric go home, and he said, all these physical threats are getting knocked out one by one. I'm not going to be next. He figures, mm. you know what, what are my odds of winning if I try to? Probably not that great. Maybe if I just throw the challenge <laughs> and go out first, no one will even think of me as a threat. It would be kind of war doggian, don't you think? It would. Here's the reason I don't think that's true um, is because he hasn't said anything about it in confessionals. I think that Good point. If, he, if he were planning to do that, he would have brought it up. Um, and And also, I'm... I mean, it would be fantastic. It would be hilarious if he was like actually really good at throwing things and uh, and he was able to say, you know, say he made it to Final Tribal um, or even at the reunion show. He could be like, hey, actually, <laughs> I can throw really, really well, but I was just playing. Uh, right. In which case, he was letting down his team. Uh, yeah, see, and, I don't think pre-merge. I don't think he ever would have done it pre-merge. Post-merge, I think he could have, but sorry, continue. So here's my opinion on War Dog, right? Uh, and and I think we're saying it wrong. It's it's the War Dog. Oh, I, my apologies. You are correct. Yeah. The War Dog. Yes. Get it. Get it right. Um. So he thinks three to four moves ahead, uh, strategically, and um, at about uh, a million miles per hour. Um. And he talks about a million miles an hour as well. And I don't. I think he he has a critically um, bad perception of how he is taken by others, like how others perceive him. So I think that's his weakness. So I do think he is a uh, very strategic threat, and and people are generally aware of that now. Um, let's get to that juicy, juicy tribal. So juicy. First question, what did this tribal council teach us about the game of survivor i thought it taught us so much and it was so unique because we've seen little side conversations before and we've seen whispers but i don't think we've seen yeah yeah, i don't think we've seen an all-out breakdown of everyone's plans at survivor like that before so it taught us a couple things it taught us that tribal council performance 100 matters 
Rick perceived what was going on. He saw Julia talking to Kelly and said, no, I'm blowing this up right now, right? It taught us that maintaining the facade of trust to everyone around you and making sure that people feel like they're part of the blind side, even if they're the ones being blindsided, it taught us that that really, really matters. So that when people say cryptic things at tribal, their ears don't perk up. They go, oh, yes, yes, this is part of the plan. This is what I was told. The fact that Rick said, that the Kamam members who he was aligned with at the beginning of Tribal, the fact that they purposefully let the clock run out without telling him what the plan was, was so shocking to me. All they would have had to do is say, hey, Rick, can we go talk real quick? And apparently they didn't if Rick was telling the truth. I have no reason to think that he's lying. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I think this is so interesting. I think that this Tribal showed us that there is immense value in getting practice at being in tribal councils. Mm -hmm. It's like if you look at the the pre-merge tribals, being in those really, really sucks for sure. The Lasu members can tell you all about how bad those are. Rick himself was voted out in a pre-merge tribal. Even though you're exposed, you do get practice. And I think the Lasu exactly. members, especially the repeat players, you know, Kelly and David, but the Lasu members as a whole all are well versed in this by now and that Kamam members are all playing like newbies. What do you think? What else did we learn? I kind of want to start with some highlights. Is that okay? Of course, um, yeah. Here, here are some highlights that caught my eye. Um, Aubrey's face during the entire tribal, Crazy. Or, or more specifically, the second half of tribal. Just like you thought, her mouth could not open any wider, and it would. And she was like a walking like... meme. <laughs> Dude, she has been a meme farm so far this season. Yeah, she uh, has. With her dancing. So uh, I think her face exhibited more clearly and more accurately how David was feeling during that mm. whole tribal. Um, I, I Another highlight, when, when Ron says uh, in that crowd of six or seven people, <laughs> we could go Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> Victoria oh my God. is right freaking there. She, her so head good. is three inches from his face. And what's funny with Ron is this is the second time he has been caught with his hand in the proverbial cookie jar. Uh, before it was with Joe yeah. and uh, Victoria, actually. But uh, props for Victoria for not freaking out. Um, a little bit later, though, Victoria says, whispers, um, I told them David. <laughs> David from across the, the area says, hey, I heard that. And yeah. Victoria oh just goodness. smiles. And she's like, she says, whatever, man. It's like a mess now. And David just smiles, that winning smile. And he's like, actually, it's it's very clean now. <laughs> yeah, he was eating it up. You could tell that oh, Kelly yeah. and David were in their element. Once it all broke down, they were like, okay, all right, this, this works for us. I would add another person who would feel very comfortable in that crowd, Aubrey. But yeah. but um, but last highlight uh, is Julie pretty much the whole time, sparking it all off and then capping it with, I'm ready to jump ship. And then she <laughs> runs from one side of tribal council to the other Dude. and starts sitting on their laps. And she I'm was dynamite like, and Rick was dynamite. the person who lit the fuse. Like he could tell from earlier in the day, I think, then he sensed things were going wrong and Rick was like, bam, the Kool-Aid man is here. I'm just going <laughs> to destroy this game. Oh, man, it was so good. So so to answer the question, what did Tribal Council in Episode 8 teach us about the game of Survivor? I think it taught us um, the lesson that it's 
Survivor is always changing. It's always evolving. Um, so this is definitely by far the longest non-final tribal council of all time. Yeah. Um, it took almost half the episode. And the immunity um, challenge, the physical aspects of the game have been essentially thrown out. This is the first time an idol has been played and it meant absolutely nothing and a hidden immunity idol Mm -hmm. rather and if you had told me before the season started that we wouldn't have the first idol played until well after the merge yeah i would have thought you were completely crazy so so survivor is always changing and it's always evolving and just like the players themselves the people that succeed in this game are the flexible ones for sure so what did you think that this tribal council revealed about this season's players? How are they different from past seasons and how was that shown? I think uh, the first thing we learned was that Julie has completely lost her marbles. So just kind of stating the obvious there. I think um, David has shown that he can thrive in a chaotic situation. Yeah. And he, in my opinion, is the smartest person in the game right now. He is so well attuned to what is going on. Including that is when taking into account the strategic and the social aspects of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Wentworth and Lauren, we have learned, have an innate ability to not play their idols. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Uh, shocking, even. Um so the only physical threat, if there is any more such a thing, is currently Joe on the edge of extinction. Yeah. Um, which I think is fitting for this season. Um, so we have learned we have learned a lot about the players in this game. I think uh, one thing I would also mention is, you know, earlier in the season, there was a lot of talk amongst Survivor fans regarding the edits. And they were talking about how certain players like Julia, like Julie, like Aurora, weren't getting a lot of screen time early on. Sure. And I think that what we have learned because of the style of this season with the Edge of Extinction is that um, production has just had to make a decision. They cannot spend an equal amount of time on everybody because everybody's there the entire game long. The only people that we don't ever see anymore are Wendy and Keith because they left. So I, I totally understand why there was a lack of uh, screen time for certain players, given the fact that we're going to be seeing them the whole season long. It's not like they're going to be gone before we ever got a chance to meet them. I think we've we've gotten to know most of the survivors pretty dang well by this point. I think that it showed that at least David and Kelly... At least. I think some of their alliance members are are in this bucket too. Yeah. But at least David and Kelly have super well-attuned intuition about what's going on. I think a lot of that is from being a return player. And Rick and Lauren and Wardog probably also felt like something was going wrong prior to Tribal. I, You know, they showed a long montage of Kelly looking around and being like, this doesn't make sense. This isn't how it goes when you're on the inside of the know, even though she was told that she was on the inside, she could tell that that wasn't the case. So it showed that those players are definitely, in my opinion, they may not be the most physical threats, but they are definitely the most threatening social threats. And if I was anyone but someone in their alliances, I'd be trying to get them out like crazy. They'd be fools not to. It also showed us that the 
Kama players don't seem to have any type of long-term plan. And this was really surprising to me because just a few episodes ago, we had Gavin and Victoria and Eric work together in perfect unison to blindside Aubrey. I was super impressed. I think everyone else was super impressed. And then just a couple episodes later, we see that Gavin and Victoria are willing to part ways with Eric in exchange for bringing Julie into the fold. And I'm like, okay, I can live with that. Maybe that's best for your game right now. Sure. And then one episode later, Gavin is willing to jump ship. And so is Victoria to cut Julie out now as well. So I don't know what Kama is doing. I know it's become kind of a meme now, the whole Kama strong thing and everything. Right. It definitely is kind of a joke at this point. Right, but typically in Survivor, it is best to keep people who you are close to in the game because it provides a bigger shield. Case in point, the most powerful people right now in the game are Lauren, Kelly, and Wardog. Just because they have the strongest alliance, that's also the biggest. Kamara right. could have been that. But because they chose to get rid of Eric, they fractured everything really early. And now they further fractured it by getting rid of Julie. And that wasn't as much their fault, but it definitely still happened. So I don't really know what's going to happen after this. Yeah, and and in Kamara's defense, and specifically in the, in the defense of the Kamara members that turned uh, against Eric and Ron... They saw the writing on the wall. Here's oh, the yeah. problem. Here's the problem with big alliances going into uh, the merge. The bigger your group, the earlier they're going to be thinking about the end game. And especially in this modern version of Survivor, this is not this is not a Coach Wade season, right? This is not where six people are going to get to the end and then and then one person is going to dictate who all leaves after that. Right. Right. Nobody is here to play that kind of game, uh, to my knowledge and to my understanding. And least of all, Victoria. But so as soon as you can sense in a large alliance, the very moment you can sense the hierarchy is the very moment. If you are not in that final tribal, if you're not in that top two or three, yep, you are going to make a move. Yep. Got to make that thing shuffle. Yep. Yep. And it is very, very hard to realize when the right time to make that move is. And so I totally understand why they made that move. One one thing on the still on the subject of players being revealed. Do you know how many times Julie cried this episode? Do you want to guess? Did you I count? did. I you did, did count. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I'm going to guess. Okay, so unique episodes, correct? Unique. No, no, no. Just this episode. Yeah, Just oh, sorry, this sorry. episode. Oh. How many different Different times. Let me rephrase my question. How many? Are, the question is, how many times did she have an episode of crying within exactly. this episode? Right. Right. Okay. Not. I'm yeah. gonna guess um, four. That is exactly right. Man, that is, guess. and that Lucky is guess. so many. So the reason I think the edit included all the meltdowns because mm. I, I think I think probably they have a lot more than they show. Right. Yeah, but I think the reason they included all the meltdowns is because Julie's meltdown was the spark that started that tribal council. It was so good. Um, yep. And so I think they needed that build up. I want to say I think David is perfectly built for this modern style of survivor, and the reason is because he is completely non-physical. He's not a physical threat. No one in their right mind would say that except for Gavin, who was immediately laughed off <laughs> this episode. Yeah. Um he, he did do well it, though. He did do well though. He he did, did. He did well 
but I mean, he's not going to be a consistent winner, right? Sure. He, he's not. And in a, any season with more um, physical challenges, he would be much, much worse. So yeah. he, he also strategically, he plays it slow at first. He does not make enemies. He actually makes friends out of his enemies, i.e. Wentworth. And he thrives in the fast thinking, strategic kind of voter block atmosphere. Um, which was on full display this episode when yep. he was just literally showing the biggest smile I've ever seen on anybody's well, face. Well, wasn't it so funny when he goes up to Kelly and he's like, hi, remember me? And then yes. she's like, oh, yeah, yes. the plan was to vote oh, for you. And he's like, moment. oh, thanks. And they were just like, they were so insane. I love it was that so moment so fun. much. Yeah, I it was great. That moment. Yes. So now that we had this tumultuous tribal council, I do think it's the craziest in terms of actual social game. We've seen crazy ones where idols have been played and stuff like that. But sure. this is the craziest just because of the social effects of what happened, right? After this tribal, what do you think the alliance breakdown is and who's on top or on the bottom? To explain this, and I think it was apt um, that Probst, that Jeffy, he started the the tribal council off he kicked it off with a statement he says uh, there's an implicit agreement on survivor which is nobody is to be trusted and yet everybody will choose to trust one or more people it's this implied agreement that makes the blind side possible so and he's 100 percent right because you need more than one vote to keep yourself safe and so you have to trust people that you know don't trust you and that you truly don't trust going into tribal we see that Victoria and Aurora want Wentworth out. And we see that Gavin and Julia want David out. During the tribal, Julia essentially makes an enemy of Rick and Wardog, right? She calls Rick a passenger yep. to everyone's utter <laughs> utter shock, even Probst. He was like, he couldn't believe that she had said that. She's like, you're such a passenger. And everyone that just was like, so weird. Yeah. it was crazy. It was out of left field. So then just before they started the vote, she tells Wardog to shut up. And mm. then she goes home <laughs> or more appropriately, the edge of extinction. So I think the reason that the figuring out the alliances and who voted for what and why, I think the reason it's all confusing is because we still keep thinking of the tribe as Kama and Lesu. And we need to stop doing that. We need to be thinking in pairs and trios, right? Because that's the modern game of Survivor. It's voting blocks. And the reason is because these are people that you can say, I'm taking you to the final tribal and they will believe you, right? Because there's only three of you. So you have Wentworth and Lauren plus Wardog, right? Wardog is just kind of hanging on and he knows that. Then you have Devons and David. Then you have Gavin, Aurora, and Victoria. And then you have Julie and Ron. So I think I think that those are the established duos and trios that yeah. are remaining. And like you said earlier, I think the strongest one is definitely Wentworth and Lauren plus Wardog. Just to piggyback off of what you were saying, I think that your analysis is correct with all of the twos and threes with one exception. I don't think that Aurora is really going to be tight with Gavin and Victoria moving forward. And here's why. By looking at Twitter, Julia shed some more light on this episode. And something that I thought was really interesting was she said that the edit made it look like the vote for her wasn't decided before the vote. But she said, 
everyone there had literally said who they were voting for, and they all said that they were going to vote for Julia, and Wardog literally stood up and counted the votes, and that's when she told Wardog to shut up. She got really mad at him at that moment when he literally counted out the votes for Julia. Then, yeah, yeah, crazy, right? So... After that moment, well, I feel lied to. Yeah, you always have to assume the edit's a little bit cut up, right? I normally assume that the the nods and the smiles and the smirks are probably all shuffled around for, you know, for dramatic effect, which is totally fine with me. But after that moment with Wardog happened, Aurora leaned over to Julia and said, I will never write your name down. Even though she knew she was going home, she said, I won't vote for you. I'm not going to write your name down, which is really weird to me because... Clearly, Victoria and Gavin and the other people that were working with Julia were like, okay, this is what we're doing. Let's all do it. Because she can't be mad at all of us, right? If any combination of us make it to the end, she can't hold that against me because everyone else there will have done it too, except for Aurora. So Aurora showed us in this episode that she's willing to do whatever she pleases. She's not interested in trying to stick together with anyone, and she's kind of been on her own most of this right. season. She's probably been the, the Kama member that's been most separate you know she was the one that latched onto the return players early and hasn't really ever combined back with the kama people so i don't know where she's gonna go i think she's gonna be a wild card that's gonna be essential going forward i can i can get on board with that i could tell that aurora and julia were pretty tight um especially during the tribal council you know they kind of stayed off to the left side together pretty much the whole time it going forward then knowing those alliances who do you think which player or, or I guess which um, group or two or three players are in the best position moving forward. It is so hard for me to figure out who's actually in the best strategic position. And that's because, like you pointed out, we are very clearly, firmly in a voting block mode. So right. those twos and threes, depending on how they decide to shuffle, completely change who's on top. I think numbers here is kind of a tricky thing because... Like I said earlier, naturally, Kelly, Lauren, and Wardog would be on top because they're a voting block of three, at least two, but probably three at any given moment. I think Wardog might venture out on his own, but that's mm-hmm. not that likely, right? And they're definitely perceived as a three because, like David and Rick were telling Julie and Ron, they haven't voted apart a single time this entire season of Survivor, which is crazy. Even our other best duo, Rick and David, have voted separately last episode. So Mm -hmm. while they're the strongest because they have three, they're also the biggest threat because they are three. And I think that's why the editors kind of tease us about next episode that War Dog is going to be targeted. I don't think War Dog is going to be the one going home, but here's what I think. I think that because the three is so intimidating and because Kelly Wentworth is so universally threatening. Oh, Mm -hmm. a piece of information on Kelly Wentworth. (laughs) Just this season of Survivor, okay, there Mm -hmm. have now been nine tribal councils, okay? She has been in eight of them. Within those eight, she's received at least one vote in six of the eight tribal councils in which she has participated. If you add in Lauren, her right-hand lady, Lauren received votes in a lot of those as well, and she received votes in one of them where Kelly didn't. So if you look at them as an interchangeable unit, their alliance received votes in seven out of the eight tribal councils that they've been in, which is insane. I say all that to point out that clearly Kelly is 
feared, at least by someone every single tribal council. And now that we're in voting blocks, I think all it'll take is for a couple of them to say, you know what, let's just finally do this. Let's vote Kelly out. Kelly has an idol. Lauren has an idol. They have the power here if they choose to use it. And Kelly's very smart. I think she might see that coming. I think barring an idol being played, I think Rick and David are in the best strategic position because they're not the biggest threat. And David is a super good social player. They went straight to Ron and Julie and made them feel good. I think they're going to be able to make Gavin feel good. I think Victoria will be willing to work with them temporarily to get another return player out. We'll see what happens. What do you think? Going forward, players in the best position in my mind are David, Victoria, Gavin, and... Aubrey if she returns from the edge of extinction and I think just just thinking individually right ignoring the twos and threes I think each of them have the skill set to play socially right to not make people angry David Victoria Gavin Aubrey they're all likable people and no one really hates them right now except Julie who hates literally everyone except Ron and they have made excellent resume moves um, all of them, with the exception of Aubrey, I think her best moves are ahead of her if she can get back from the edge of extinction. So I think all of them can smell votes from a, about a mile off, and mm-hmm. they are very f- flexible, and I think they flat out just enjoy the game, right? They're they're at home in the blind sides. Victoria is probably the best actor we have seen, the way she played Aubrey, and... Yep. Just just masterfully, right? On the other hand, I think Wardog has played strategically too hard, and he has made way too many enemies at this point. I think Wentworth doesn't have quite the resume yet in terms of executing her own plans. She's she's helped out with several, but she has not been a mastermind yet. Um, sure. I also see her as too comfortable in tribal council, and what I mean is the way that we have seen her hold on to that idol. Um, I think if Victoria um, can finally make something happen, and this could be Victoria's move, right? This could be your game-winning move. If she were to buddy up to Vic- to Wentworth and do the exact same thing that she did to Aubrey earlier in the season and get Wentworth off, I think it could be a legendary move, right? I think Victoria could become a a legendary player i think if she fails to take wentworth out she'll be forgotten as a as a player um and she'll be considered as a as a failure because it has been her mission ever since the merge even before the merge she was talking about wentworth being a threat and she's brought it up every single episode since in my mind uh those those three or four are are in the best position in their alliances something i do want to go back to and i'm so sorry to back up to this but um when analyzing who's in the best position you know we're in the voting blocks mode and like we established aurora is kind of a wild card i don't know who she's going to go with she's voted with kamaj she's voted with lasu we've seen her float back and forth she was tight with aubrey and joe and they're both gone but do you remember what happened last episode she received the extra vote from aubrey So in these weird situations where you might have a 5-5, Aurora has an unusual amount of power, not only because she's a wild card, but she's a wild card with two votes if she chooses to use one. I think that if people realize that she's important, and I think they will, you know, people can see the writing on the wall. They know how people have voted this whole game. I think someone like Kelly, who has voted for the correct person, she's been on the right side of the vote six out of the eight tribals that she's been in. 
and she allowed Kamada to pull the wool over her eyes one time. I don't think she's going to let that happen again. You're right, Victoria might play her, but I don't know. Do you think that there's a clear front runner for who's going to go see the official greeter of the Edge of Extinction, a.k.a. Mom, a.k.a. Reem? Mm, mama. Queen, Queen Reem. Queen yeah. Reem. Queen Reem. Here's my take, and it's controversial, which is the best kind of take. Uh, I think it's going to be Wentworth, and here are the reasons. One, she's too comfortable. She's also one of the, what I'm calling the immovable three, who have voted together every tribal so far and i think victoria knows that without wentworth uh war dog and lauren would completely fall apart and wouldn't work together which is totally true lauren and yep. war dog hate each other wentworth is keeping them together that's a good point. so i would say um and this is my second take and these could be completely wrong but i just i believe in them so if wentworth plays her idol right and she has the majority of votes then it will be either victoria or david wentworth's historic enemies um the people that she's been talking about so far the most about getting out um and i would also point out that idle blindsides which means someone plays their hidden immunity idol and then there's a, a subsequent blindside they usually end up getting the biggest threats out of the game and yeah. the reason is because they only need a small number of votes and they can literally choose anyone they can be completely reckless with it plus it makes for a better resume move um when they finally get to final definitely travel. successfully playing an idol is so skillful when it's actually huge done. it's it can win you the game i think those are some good picks my current pick is david and here's the reason why i think that david and rick are going to be targeted by the former kama members and i think that's because gavin showed us this episode that he likes being in control and he was mad when his alliance didn't want to go the way he wanted. He said, oh, I thought this was a democracy. I found out it was a dictatorship, which, by the way, he was just outvoted, which was a democracy. Just saying. Just right. saying. Right. I thought that was, yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> he was like, hey, this reaction. democracy didn't want to go the way I wanted to go. Yeah. This is a dictatorship. I'm like, well, yeah. it was a majority, so. You wanted it to be a dictatorship. Yeah. <laughs> you no, just no. wanted to be the dictator. Anyway, he showed us that he wanted to be in control, and he came in the tribal thinking that it was all going to go according to plan, and who blew it up? Julie did, but who lit off Julie? Rick, and he knows that. Rick blew that thing wide open. It would not have happened if Rick hadn't just been like, hey, there's seven of us. If Rick hadn't said those words, I don't think that that would have happened. I don't think Julia would have gone home. So I think Gavin and Victoria may feel kind of threatened by that willingness to blow things up if they aren't going his way. And I think that Kelly, Lauren, and Wardog will go along with that if that means that they're safe for another vote. They also want David gone. And here's the thing. He played an idol last time. The odds of him playing an idol again are very, very low. I mean, it's it's great to have one idol per season. Almost no players ever get more than one. So I think that kind of indicates to them that David doesn't have anything else up his sleeve. Mm -hmm. But with that, I do think we should wrap it up. So thank you all for listening. If you can all leave us a review or some feedback on our page on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, we would really appreciate that. You can find us on Twitter at tribal talk pod on twitter or at tribal talk pod at gmail.com feel free to send us some feedback through there other than that we will catch you next time thanks everyone